2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV um, show on the BBC. It's review from the it's Terrace about pet all, Talk Culture totally
3: podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest
0: podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest
2: episode of the uh, Scottish uh, welcome, oh. to welcome to, happy, to, to, to review from Happy, happy, happy um, talk. Talk. the best um, in
0: movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums,
2: so much Some
0: fired for
3: that. did you get that what you done? a moment. What a moment. Review
0: the Terrace brings okay, together a that, collection right, of professionals, yeah, pals, okay. misfits, yes, perfect, special yes, guest interviews. That's
1: Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Aye, Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. you <laughs> a on time, man.
3: Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling.
1: It's about 35. <laughs> 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 Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hello and welcome to the Man City Show. Nigel's taking a break uh, this week, so it's Stato, Paul Denby in the chair for this podcast. But don't worry, I won't be throwing too many numbers your way. Just a few. We've got a lot to debate this week. We had a tennis score win, but in front of the crowd that Flushing Meadow may be pleased with, but our manager wasn't. Followed about one of the most difficult performances we've had to witness for a long time. It was a poor one. And now we face a monumental set of fixtures that we may well define our season. Can we retain the Man City Cup? We've got Wickham coming up this week. Then the weekend, Caesars face Chelsea, who without doubt are one of our rivals for the title. I won't go into the following week's games, but after Chelsea, of course, we've got PSG and Liverpool. But that's for the next week's guests, but I might touch on those at the end of this podcast if we've got the time. So joining me today, we have two who've worked in retail, two Mancunians. One who is a very keen Lancashire County cricket fan. No, I don't have five guests. There's just some overlaps. So, in no particular order, welcome to David Blakeney. Hi, Paul. Hi there. Steve Cox. Hello. And Spencer Debson, who I understand is a very keen Lancashire County cricket fan, so you'll be following the results this week to see if they can get the championship.
2: Let's talk about that more than the uh, the nil-nil,
3: are we? Okay. we, We could touch on it, yes. So, let's start with the big match. In the blue corner, Pep Guardiola. And he's up against, in the other blue corner, Kevin Parker. So, who was right in this debate about the crowd against Leipzig and ongoing crowd discussions? Spencer, what's your view on that?
2: Well, I mean, Pep's come in for quite a bit of flack on this, hasn't he? Uh, And the the head of the uh, supporters club was a little bit, well, explicitly quite critical of his involvement, wasn't he? And he said that uh, Pep should do the coaching. And uh, others should figure out the crowds, you know. Um, I mean, I-, I personally think that Pep, uh, it wasn't so blasphemous for him to say this. Uh, he is a man of huge passion. Uh, he um, is coming from the heart. I do believe that. I mean, he clarified his comments a little bit later in the week, didn't he, to say what he really meant um, I mean, Alison Rudd actually wrote quite a uh, disingenuous article in the Times, may I say. Billy? Alison Rudd is a Liverpool supporter and I felt she was really stirring it because she said, you know, is this the first cracks of um, a fallout between the fans and Pep? Well, Alison, if you're listening, no, it is not. Uh, Pep is, uh, has the right to talk. He did so. Uh, and Whether you agree or disagree, 38,000 is a bit disappointing. Um, and especially as it turned out to be such a humdinger of a game. So I'm going to be supportive uh, uh, of, net, of, of Pep uh, in this instance uh, over the Supporters Club.
3: Thank you. And Alison Rudd has got previous on this. I, I know I've read some of her articles. She is a very keen Liverpool fan and often slates City. Whether that's with proper journalism or not, we can debate. Steve, what, what's your view on that, on the situation with um, Pep versus Kevin Parker? Well, I I noticed that that's the same Alison Rudd that disappears when Liverpool seem to lose for some
1: reason or other. I don't know what happens there, but she never seems to make much of herself when that happens. Um, I I must admit, I was a bit disappointed with Pep on this one, really, because there have been some troubles from a ticketing perspective at the club, and it's very hard sometimes for people to get up for a midweek game against Leipzig and expect the same level of fan support as you get at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which to be fair, the two previous home games had attendances well over 51,000 for those two. Um, the press seemed to focus on the corner of the ground that actually was quite empty because it was reserved for the Leipzig fans that weren't really able to attend. Um, and I think Pet just needs to get, perhaps be a bit clearer. I realise that English is not, his first language, and sometimes some of the things he says get lost in translation or misinterpreted by the press and blown out of all proportion. And I think there's some and some in this case. But I think it's it's very h- harsh of him to criticise the attendance of the City fans on a midweek game such as that, and I know a lot of people are having trouble getting their tickets transferred over with the new electronic system, struggling to get it on their app. Um, I saw numerous messages during that day, so I've got sympathies on all sides really. But I think it's been blown out of proportion by the uh, press that don't seem to like
3: City very much. It certainly does. And David, do you have a view on on what,
0: yeah, what's going on I, here? I think you know this problem goes back a long time, where we're not unfortunately got the global reach that Liverpool and United have got. And we are struggling probably to fill in these sort of league games the ground because people prioritise which games they want to go to. If you take into account, you've got Chelsea away, then you've got PSG, and then you've got Liverpool, people want to go to and all the games coming up. There's so many games for our fans to go to. We, our fans are quite core fans. And they're the ones who don't necessarily have the earning power to spend in every single game. And there's not enough of them to necessarily fill the ground on that occasion. I think the city board are well aware that we don't have the global reach that we want to have. It takes many, many years. Winning a Champions League would have helped last year start to increase that. So it's a a problem. It's very flat. I mean, you watch some of the other games on TV, European games and they're full of grounds, and they're passionate, and they're like really big European games. Ours was very flat, wasn't it? I mean, yes, it got it was a great game, but it was a bit, and we are a bit flat for these sort of games. And I can see where Pep's coming from, and I don't disagree with him, because I think he was trying to rally the troops a bit, in a way, and I don't think he was bemeaning of the fans. He just looked, can you come on Saturday, basically, and really get behind the team, and let's create an atmosphere. Let's face it, there's one thing at the moment that we've all noticed. Most of the teams who were suffering at home last year have really passionate fans, are really coming up front again at home. And you can see it in the crowds are really getting it going. We need our crowd to get us going. And um, I think we are a bit slow on that. So yes,
3: yeah, I think you all got very valid points there and I, I agree with everything that's been, been said here. It's very difficult to say and City don't have the, the worldwide or global base of fans that we can pull in 55,000 for the uh, midweek uh, cup games that uh, the Liverpools and the Stretfords can do. Uh, but as fans, do we really care or are we just happy that we, we can go and we can watch such fantastic football? <laughs> I didn't know it was fantastic, was it? <laughs> well, most of the time. <laughs>
1: Just happy to to go. And I think, you know, I, I live a little way away from the Etihad, so I pick and choose the games that I go to, to be fair. And if it's a toss up between Leipzig and Bruges or going to see Neymar and Messi visit with PSG, I can tell you which one is going to win over that so I think there's some of those games which will probably the stadium will be fuller than others and I think you know it's, it's hard for fans to go to every single game as David says they come thick and fast and unless you've got unlimited time and unlimited money you're going to struggle
3: that's very true so let's talk about the Leipzig game the, the tennis score did anybody feel in real danger despite the fact they pulled it back to one goal deficit three times Steve what well, you carry on, carry on. Did, did you feel threatened in no. any way
1: No, I didn't. I think um, you look at it that they they didn't do a bad job, Leipzig, of trying to stay in the game. But we always looked as if we had a lot more in the locker and were able to use it if necessary. And every time, you notice every time they equalised, we then went another goal ahead almost instantaneously. So um, I I actually thought that the performance of the team was very good. We looked a little bit vulnerable defensively. I like the look of the French striker and Cuckoo. He looked really good, actually, um, and he took his opportunities very, very well. Um, It's the only game where I've ever felt as significantly threatened at, uh, at the back, really, this season. You know, the Tottenham game, we weren't really threatened other than the one breakaway. Um, so I think it's the only game where I've actually seen our defence put under pressure, and the reality of it is it was Diaz and Ake as opposed to Diaz and Stones or Diaz and Laporte. So, you know, it, Ake hasn't played quite so much lately, so there's not as much of an understanding there. So it was ex- expected that they might struggle a little bit at times during that game. But on the whole, I thought it was a pretty good performance.
3: David, similar sort of views or
0: anything to add to Steve's point of view Um, I, I was obviously worried that we did get carved up and I do think, unfortunately, Aki is not a Laporte or a Stones and you can see the difference in quality. Aki looked very rusty. He looked exposed. He wasn't on his man like Stones or Laporte would have been. That bothered me because with those two out, we do look vulnerable again. We didn't have a, uh, our solid defence there and um, it was lovely to see we some of the forward play it was a bit like the old days wasn't it anything they can do we can do better and that's what happened It, it was
3: so just mentioning Ake and come back on that because I think a lot of people have very similar views I mean Ake plays a good game as good as he can get to maybe he can improve a little bit more But are we asking too much? He is a fourth-choice centre-half, and at the beginning we've really got three basically world-class centre-halves. Could we expect to have a fourth world-class centre-half just to come in and step in when we we need to? Is that that fair enough, Spencer?
2: Oh, I I think you put it very well there. He is fourth-choice, and, um, you know, as my dear cousin uh, Mark Ballin might say, you know, great hair, too slow. Um, You know, he is slow by contrast, and you do um the, the the issue is once you've formed an opinion about someone you then sort of tend to see it through that lens don't you and i think everyone would acknowledge that he is a premier league uh, standard uh, center half or, or left back you know he is but by the side of you know uh, by the side of the others laporte stones uh, ds he is definitely fourth choice so when mistakes tend to happen uh, and he's playing i'm afraid we do tend to look at him plus he's he has made some specific errors so uh, he does, you know, he is in that category. But I, I do think we're a little bit over demanding. I don't think he's quite as bad as, uh, uh, as we make out sometimes. But
1: it could, could just be playing time, Spencer, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's, he's right one on. of those players that might be better with a bit of confidence and a bit of understanding with the guy that's next to him. And he's not really, with respect to him, getting enough time in the team to build those kind of understandings.
2: Yeah. yeah. Although we're picking up injuries now, aren't we? So I don't know, maybe yeah. he'll get some sort of run in the team. Could
3: do. We'll see how he performs against Chelsea uh, at the weekend. We'll get on to that shortly. Uh, views on the penalty we won, first of all, it was a bit harsh. I mean, it is a penalty these days, but very
2: harsh. His arm goes to the ball. Paul, who's side you on here? What's the... I'm
3: just being the... Independent
2: critique, is this? Devil's advocate, as
3: usual. That's what Nigel usually does, isn't it? He flicks his arm at the ball, and I think, for me, that's
1: more of a deliberate action. I realise that it's not what you would call a stonewall cast iron, but he's when you look at it in slow motion, he's moving his arm towards the ball to stop it from going towards the goal. That's that's Fair the bit enough. that did yeah. it for me.
3: Okay. Fair enough, definite penalty, you've convinced me.
2: And a fantastic um, penalty by about that, that,
3: that's what fantastic. I was gonna to come to. Was that the best penalty we've seen by a city player since Yaya Torre's days? Can't argue that. Question what? Yeah. And another goal that was we scored, but they scored it for us, was that one of the best own goals we've seen for a long time uh, that's uh, helped City along the way? It was a good diving header, or he put his head down very well to get there anyway. So we, we came out of the tennis score, 6-3. We'd scored five or more goals in four consecutive uh, home games uh, from the end of last season through then all expecting to come to Southampton. And who didn't think it would be 3-4 or 5 nil? Hands up if you thought it was going to be uh, another easy win. Yeah, well, th- at least three of us thought it was an easy win. As, you, as a resident Stater, let me just read that statistic to you. Since 2016-17, City have failed to have a shot on target in four home games in the first half. How many of those were against Southampton? Three, yeah, that's right. Spot on. Three On three occasions, we have failed to get a shot on target in the first half against Southampton. I think that says something about the way Southampton play. Um, Paul from the whole City team. David, your, your views, first of all?
0: Yeah. Um, I think the way it went on Saturday was quite typical of these type of games. I think maybe the Leeds game last year, I can remember, and a, and a few other games where if we... If if the other team attack us enough and come out with that positivity, they do create some problems for us, don't they? And it puts us on the back foot. The problem is we were on the back foot most of the game. (laughs) And that was a real concern. But the amount of mistakes we made, you were waiting for us to wake up and we just didn't. And I thought Sterling was back to his very poor self again on a number of occasions, he just didn't control the ball. Um I think we brought uh, De Bruyne on far too late uh, and Foden too late. And we just, we were dreadful. Everything about us was dreadful. I think hardly anyone played well. I thought Grealish actually was pretty good. Um, and, you know, DLs again had a pretty good game. But honestly, it was, he just, It was one of those games you said, well, how are we on earth going to beat Chelsea's and the Liverpool's of this world playing like that? I do not know. No, I think we all would agree with that. I think We've got to
3: see vast improvements. Spencer, any players to call out? I
2: mean, (laughs) it was a very poor performance, wasn't it? I mean, you know, is fatigue part of it? You know, we would obviously say that three days later. Um, But, you know, there were some fresh legs uh, in there, weren't there? You know, perhaps talking about, you know, freshness of the mind. And I know it's not a sort of mother tongue type phrase, but what does that really mean? You know, we've got these are, you know, world class footballers paid a lot of money with the best sports nutritionists and coaches available. Um, and a three day gap from the last game. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a, sim- a simplistic shot to say, well, it was fatigue and they had an off, uh, an off day. It was, a, you know, perfectly strong team. Yes, Southampton set up well. I it's a it's a little bit baffling. Um, but it's not it's not a good sign because these are the sorts of games that we do need to be winning at home against, you know, a good but at the end of the day, mid-table team. We need to be winning these games if we're going to go very high in the league this year. And it, you know, the seeds of doubt have already started. And this does nothing to um, you know, to to dissuade us of it. You know, we we've got You know, uh, a bit of an uphill battle ahead of us, I think. And uh, as we'll come on to talk about this, I'm sure, but you know, the next three, four games are going to be mission critical for our season. No question.
3: Steve, uh, we've touched on this. Obviously, the other two have just mentioned it. Is this one defining game? Okay, we'd scored five in two previous home games. We beat Leicester in what was a very good game. And then we had one blip. All right, Totten wasn't great at the beginning of the season, but that was. I think more excuses there because of the lack of players available in that game. Is this just a one-off blip or do we have to wait and see? I I think this kind of game
1: will occur again this year. I think it highlighted to me the failing in the summer again of actually looking to get that second option. Um, What happened at the weekend is that Southampton managed to press And closed down Fernandinho significantly so that the ball couldn't go through midfield in a very smooth manner. And therefore, the ball was being played forward a little bit haphazardly. Um, It wasn't sticking to anybody up front because... Sterling miscontrolled it, Jesus was miscontrolling it, Grealish actually was the only one who seemed to be controlling it properly but we didn't really have that option like we had in the Aguero days where actually Edison could bypass the midfield and play it to Aguero, Aguero would control it and cause them all kinds of, of issues. Um, we also struggled to break into their area with any significant meaning um, we didn't have the option of perhaps putting a cross in for someone to get the head on um, I just think when these teams play that kind of block against us, we struggle and we don't seem to have another option. And I'm really not sure what we can do now that the transfer window is closed. We're pretty much stuck with what we've got. And if someone works us out, as Southampton seem to do at the weekend, then we're going to
3: have that kind of game. Well, let's see how many more we get. Hopefully not too many more, but at least VIR was on our side for the penalty decision And didn't quite support us well enough for the very last gasp. Where we nearly got our last traditional last-minute winner against Southampton, but unfortunately failed on this occasion. Right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the upcoming games and a couple of other points. Welcome back. Um, So we've covered the historic games, the ones that we've um, just played, Leipzig and Southampton. And we have the mighty Wickham coming to the Etihad on Tuesday evening. Um, Thoughts on the sort of team, I guess, is the the crucial one. Pep has mentioned that he's going to play some of the younger players. How many of the younger players would you be comfortable with playing in that team? Three, four, five, eight, nine, Uh, ten? Steve, what's your view on this? How how many players would you think we should be playing youngsters? we're probably going to need three or four players to be fair, because we're a little bit, we do need to give some of the first
1: team players a rest. Um, We've got a few injuries, particularly at the back. Um, I don't think, I know Diaz is probably capable of playing pretty much every game that you put him into, but I'm not sure about Ake, whether he needs a rest or not. Um, Yeah, I think maybe three or four players. I did see the under-19s in the Champions League last week, and they played particularly well. Um, Very impressed with some of their attacking forwards. That's not where we're really lacking, to be fair. Um, We probably need a bit more help uh, defensively. But I guess it's Wickham. There's an opportunity there. Perhaps we should be blooding
3: some more youngsters. That's uh, probably the case. Again, Spencer, how many do you think we should be blooding in this one?
2: For the sake of, of an, answering your question, I'd have said half a dozen, to be honest, because, um, you know, this is the early stages of a competition. We've obviously uh, monopolised in recent years. Uh, our second eleven should be easily capable of winning a game like this. Um, we've got a lot of injuries and um, we've got some great youngsters coming through. So, you know, this is the ideal opportunity um, and we should be more than capable of uh, of beating them. So I think you... Take it as that, and and, and put you know four, or five, or six. David capable
3: of beating them with four, five, six youngsters in the team. Would you yeah. go as with that as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the um, you know we all know these three or four names out there of the youngsters we all are desperate to see. I would have loved to see one or two of them having a chance on Saturday because I think they would have done a better job than what we had out there. You know, there's some. I mean. You, some of these other tyres at the moment, United have done it, Liverpool have done it recently. They've played these 18, 19 year olds and they've become amazing, really good players. And why are we not ever giving? I mean, we persevere with some of the players who are not contributing. One, two of our, you know, the Lamb, people like that. Why can't you have a chance? I mean, Bellingham, 16, 17 years old, playing for. England and playing for um, Dortmund every single game and we're not giving them a chance you think they can't do any worse than some of the players we've had at the moment I mean you know they're fresh they new, they can't be worked out because no one's seen them play let's have a, a bit of surprise there so uh, I've, I'm quite excited to see them midweek and I wish we played them a bit more often so you'd certainly be looking to play De Lapps
3: and, um, and one or two yeah, others partner. against Wickham. And maybe, if they perform well, have them at least in the squad, if not uh, in the team, mm-hmm. for the forthcoming games, one mm-hmm. of them against Chelsea, PSG and Liverpool. Not Last
1: enough. week, um, Oscar Bob played really well. James McAtee played really well. Mm-hmm. I think those are players that are knocking on the door of the front first team. De Lapp as well, like you say, if we'd have had him on the bench on Saturday, he might have been a good option to perhaps
0: launch a little
1: bit into the box yeah. at times. So
0: we'll throw and it over to... Well, we've got no height up front and we've got no weight up front. And you look at some of the other teams who've got some very strong players now and tall players, and you think, De Lapp is that, that Harlan type player. How do we know? He could be a fantastic player, but he's not getting on there. He's got the height and he's got the strength. We need to rough their defenders up occasionally. We're getting too pretty again. So it gives these players a chance, I think, is what
3: we're all saying here. And yeah. at, least, at least get four or five of them in the team for Wickham, yeah. see who can perform at that level, and um, consider any of those that do play well as yeah. uh, in the squad, at least for the Chelsea game at the weekend. So let's move on to Chelsea. He takes a deep mm. sigh as he says this. Uh, our current nemesis three defeats on the run to them, including that horrible game at the end of the season in the Champions League. What should Pep do then to correct this imbalance? We've talked about youngsters. Is there anything else that he should really, we think, not that we're as, as capable of managing Manchester City as he is, but let's have some thoughts. What should Pep look at to counter Chelsea, who, let's be honest, are a major threat to us this season uh, in, in retaining the title? Um, who wants to kick off with this one? David, go on. You, you,
0: uh, uh, yeah, they, they are so solid. And just every one of that team at the moment is, is, is so good. And, you know, at half time, they changed it on Saturdays. Or was it um, Saturday or Sunday, whenever they played? They changed it at half time and they just were a different side in mm-hmm. the second half. They knew what to do for Plan B, they knew what to do. He knows how to change his time, team and, and, and he, he's a very bright manager. And at the moment, he is outwitting Pep, and I think Pep's going to have to come up with something. Last year, when we beat them away, oh that was like the turning point of our season, wasn't it? It was. And he's got to come up with something. He's going to have to, you know. And I'm worried because obviously we're short at the bat if there's injuries. And um, I, I, I think they look so strong. I can't see and I can't see us beating them. In any way, and I can't see us beating them to the title this year. I'm afraid I'm um, that depressed at
2: watching them. Oh my God. And, and, and at the Come oh, on, David, cheer up. <laughs> they are so
0: good, though, at the moment.
2: Uh, listen, I'm having flashbacks now to the blowing to blowing Porto, you know, because it still take took me, you know, ages to, to yeah. get rid of this, you know, daily sort of flashback thing. It's all coming back now, Paul, you know. Um, it's, this is going to be difficult, isn't it? Uh, but I think we've got to go in with a bit more of a positive attitude um because football is a strange old game um we do have a very good team they have a very good team um and we need to give it our best shot um but we know it's going to be super difficult um they're a great team simple as that you know Let's
1: let's be positive about it though they they are also a team that won't just sit and defend against us they will try and come and attack which leaves space which means that we could exploit that space. I take David's point because they are a frightening proposition, especially now they've added Lukaku to their front line as well. Um, he seems to be able to score and encourage other players to score. But at least Chelsea won't just sit back and defend; they will give us opportunities. We just need to capitalise upon them.
2: Yeah, can we raise our game? Can seven or eight of our players yeah. play at you know eight level eight or nine? You know, and if we can, we've got the skills. And we can penetrate. But, you know, playing like we did against Southampton, forget it. We know that. Uh, can we raise our game on the big occasion?
0: Well, yeah, I think I mean, we just, don't we just need to play like last year. You know, they they discussed and they had a moment when they said, we need to play in a different way and just speed the game up and speed the play up. It wasn't until they had that rude awakening that they got to speed it all up. We're just too lethargic, sideways passing, back passing. We're not moving forward. And I'll tell you what, let's just hope that if Aki's in that, we, we have a problem with if Aki isn't on form because um, unfortunately they've got some good forwards now. Uh,
3: they have. Look, let me throw these, Le this back is to you. is very good. He is, but let me throw this back. You mentioned Ake, and I, I understand why you're saying that. But two of our central midfield players, Fernandinho and Gundwan, Fernandinho was. Let's blunt. He was shocking on, on yeah. Saturday. I don't think he found a, a blue shirt more than no. once or twice no. in the whole game. And Gundogan has looked yeah. rather anonymous though, the, yeah. in the games he's played. Don't you yeah. think that it's th- those two uh, starring players should have to stand up and be counted in, in the big games versus Chelsea, assuming that one or both of them get picked?
0: Yeah, definitely. They, I mean, I don't know if Rodri's going to be fit, but I'd like to see Rodri back in there. Because I think Fernie had a really poor game. And you're right. I mean, Gundogan was just not him at all, was he? He just couldn't do anything. Um, I don't know why. It's weird, isn't it? It certainly
3: is. And it certainly yeah. was. Uh, uh, so it's thought process on how we beat them. I hope Pep and his team are really putting some thoughts into this. Because uh, if we play like we did in the three games that we lost to them at the back end of last season, then um, there's no hope. But I, wonder, I always go into games optimistic and hopefully I'll go in the same way when we go to the bridge on Saturday for that 12.30 kick-off. We can win any game. If our players perform, and as you said, yeah. if we've got seven or eight and performing at eight and above, we can win that game. If we've got seven or eight them performing at five or below, we'll get stuffed. Simple as yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on a couple of other subjects, but before I do uh, on that one, well, let's have some score predictions. It's always a bit of fun. I know there's a couple of members, not, not necessarily on this uh, podcast this evening. Who'd never like predicting the scores, but um, well, Spencer, what, what's your thought? What, what, what are you going for against Wickham and Chelsea?
2: Well, Wickham uh, has got to be, uh, you know, a resounding victory, hasn't it? You know, by any stretch, four-one. Um, Chelsea, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> you, you,
3: you're on point for this, first of all, Spencer. Come on.
2: Well, I, you know, I don't think I've ever predicted a loss. Uh, I just can't do it, Paul. Um, you know, one-one. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, that's the optimistic
3: one-one, is it? <laughs> By the sounds of it, Steve, what's your? What are you going for? Are you going to call it out? I think we might beat Chelsea two-one. Ooh,
1: I like I like the optimism there. And Wickham, you, we'll lose to Wickham, then, will we? Uh, no, I uh-huh. think we'll win 3 0 against Wickham.
0: Okay. David, what, Oscar what, Bob what? and James McAtee to score. Very good. Okay, I'll make a note of that. Uh, Wickham 3-0 to us, I think. I'm afraid Chelsea, I think, will lose 2-0. There we go.
3: So against Chelsea, our three uh, guests have predicted a one <laughs> win, one draw, one loss. <laughs> so, Somebody
2: uh, on the podcast is going to be right. So that's yeah, that's, yeah.
3: yeah. Very true. Um, just want to talk about uh, two or three other things. Uh, they actually are all Spurs related, but they bring it back to City as well. I don't know if anybody, did anybody see the women's highlights, the women's game against Tottenham uh, a couple of weeks ago when we lost 2-1? There was such an, uh, VAR is needed in those circumstances. It was such an obvious handball, but if you didn't see it, it's, uh, it was a handball that pushed it basically onto the City player into the goal and the referee missed it completely, but it's, it's why VAR is needed but uh, the women's game it, it's not it's not used yet so if you didn't see interesting
1: it again, that they've they've started teaching the Spurs women to do what the Spurs men do then because I seem to remember they did the same <laughs> against us yeah. in the Champions League a couple of years ago
3: yeah. yes it, you're right that's a good point you know Spurs are always using their hands to, to beat City so it's going from the men yeah. women and let's, uh, well, let's hope that another that flashback you're giving me
2: now an <laughs> <laughs>
3: And uh, a couple of the Spurs talking points are, obviously, uh, thoughts on Jimmy Greaves. To my mind, he was one of the best strikers uh, in all-time football that that I've remembered. I know a couple of people here probably a bit young to remember him playing, but I I certainly remember him playing, and he was an absolutely brilliant footballer. Yeah, Um, I mean... um, Here you go,
2: Spencer. No, I was only going to say, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit before uh well my time I don't speak for the others on the podcast um but I, I have met Martin Chivers a few times and he if you ask him who was the best footballer he ever played with the best goal scorer and he was a, a great goal scorer himself wasn't he Jimmy Greaves uh, you know and, and he would be very um effusive about it um so I mean and of course we've seen all, all the show reels and everything I mean clearly a brilliant player and we grew up with Satan Greavesy didn't we after I did anyway after he um had retired and he went through, you know, challenges which he overcame. But he's just a, a sort of a great personality and clearly a fantastic goal scorer. He
3: certainly was. It was 357 goals he scored in English football. I don't know if that will ever be matched. Um, another thing that Tottenham introduced at the weekend, just want to touch on this, um, carbon neutral football in the Premier League. Uh, a lot of press made about this. Is that the way of the future? Do you think that all clubs should be, Premier League clubs should be looking to try to push it this way? Any thoughts on it, or don't really care, Spencer? Have you got a view on it,
2: or a noble aspiration? But I'm I'm speaking in great ignorance. How does one do that? Does one, um, you know, uh, have lots of people driving in their cars and then make a donation to the stadium? I and mean, how do you how do you achieve a carbon? They, encar-
1: they encourage people to go by bike, I seem to. Remember, okay. although i did see some publicity that the okay. bike route that they were publicizing actually was closed part way through <laughs>
3: okay yeah and they encourage people to drive only to a certain point and use public transport or they lay on coaches from like Ali Pali and places like that to get them to the
2: ground yeah, so, a, a complex route from Abu Dhabi to the etihad not involving aeroplanes something like very, that
3: very difficult so maybe something that other clubs might start looking at in the future but uh we'll wait and see Finally, I just want to touch on the three big games coming up. Sorry, apologies to Wickham fans that will be listening to this, but we've got, and I'm not going to go into detail, but how many points would you take now from Chelsea, PSG, Liverpool in total as we look ahead? Forget the results you forecast a moment ago. We've got those three big games. How many points would you take? And I can see <laughs> Steve's got nine fingers, uh, including his so up. <laughs> oh, you got he's, ten there. I was going to say So, So Steve is going for nine. He wouldn't be happy with anything other than three straight wins. Fair enough, The, the optimist in there. Um, any other views on that?
2: Well,
1: I don't God. think we'll get nine, but I'd I like to take nine. <laughs> if you offered me I'd nine right any, now, any, I'd take them. Yeah. I'd snatch your hand off. Any two
2: wins?
0: Any two wins?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we draw against PSG, that's not the end of the world. It's Chelsea. If we can draw against Liverpool, that'd be fine. It's Chelsea we need to beat.
3: Uh, right, So that's five points, basically. Yeah. I-, I said I would take, uh, I w- somebody else asked me this question. I said I would take three points, but they all have to be draws. No defeats well, in yeah, there. Yeah. Because uh, we don't lose any ground to Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah. And PSG, uh, I think a draw would be a decent result away in Paris. Yeah. Right, I'm going to leave the uh, PSG and the Liverpool games to our guests next week, whoever is going to fill that one in. I just want to thank all our guests this week for um, participating in this podcast and helping me out. Spencer, Steve, David, thank you very much. And we'll see you all
2: again next week. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk